It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. He's done it again. Marcus Rashford on his Premier League debut. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Premier League Podcast here on FanReg Sports with me, Sebastian Noren. With me is Elliot Niblock. No Polly today either, but we'll get a mobile from him towards the end of the show. Uh, we've seen Manchester City just beat Arsenal 3-0 in the Carabao Cup final, the League Cup final at Wembley. Pep Guardiola's first silverware with Manchester City. Elliot, I know the wound is fresh, but <laughs> you will have to talk about this game as it turned out to be a pretty comfortable win for Manchester yeah. City. I mean, the wound is fresh, but it's as though like I got winged by a bullet that was moving slow motion for the last several weeks. Like I think that pretty much every Arsenal fan saw this coming. Uh, I mean, and I did, I did say, oh, okay, we'll start with positives from an Arsenal perspective. Um, I did say that Arsenal had a chance in this game in our last show, and they did have a chance. In fact, they had specifically one great chance in the first half. I mean, City City were not at their absolute best from the first whistle, and Arsenal had less possession in the first half, but they had some legitimate chances. The biggest one being uh, came, I don't remember exact the exact moment, maybe the 12th minute or so, uh, when Mesut Ozil is coming down the right-hand side, he's into the 18, he chooses to square the ball for Aubameyang, which maybe in hindsight it seems like he probably should have taken a shot on goal because it's still a great scoring position, even if he doesn't have another runner to his left. Um, but, you know, a great tackle meant that Aubameyang didn't get his shot off the way he wanted. He was still able with his trailing foot and the ball coming away from him to get a shot on target that was just unfortunately for Arsenal right into Claudio Bravo. But that was, you know, the this game looks like a bad defeat on paper just in terms of the scoreline, right? Like Arsenal lose a cup final and their chance, maybe their best chance for a trophy this season. They have now won something abysmal, like two out of their last seven or eight games. I think it's two out of eight. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it looks real bad, but they had a legitimate chance to get on top of this match early. But that's the thing is that they didn't. And then we saw some horrific defending from Mustafi for, I would say, both of the first two goals. Um, even though the second the first was he just was totally asleep and let Aguero run in behind. The second, he... You know, it was sloppy down the left-hand side from a defensive third and let company get the better of him, win a corner. And it, it was it was not totally abysmal for the first 20 minutes. But that's definitely the definition of damning with faint praise. Yeah, and I, looking at that first goal, that's where I think things fell apart. Because I think that if Arsenal would have gotten the lead in this one, it would have been... They would have had such a good chance of just trying to shut down shop, maybe hit on the counter, and 
edge out a win. Yeah. But like you said, Mustafi's defending on that is unacceptable. Yeah. He's on well, the, and he's he, on know, the, he's on the wrong side of Aguero. He yeah. tries to play it off as oh I was fouled. It was well, the okay. it was Let's, the I mean, smallest of nudges. Well, he Aguero did push off. It's still not a foul. The goal should still stand, yeah. right? And but and the, the other thing that I find infuriating is that he's to, he's totally culpable for that first goal. Got like caught out about as poorly as you could possibly get caught out as a central defender. But then his reaction is to plead for the foul, not to try to track back and put the man under pressure. I mean, yeah. he probably knows, right? We all know that Mustafi's never going to catch Sergio Aguero in a foot race. But that immediately looking to try to to have a get-out-of-jail-free card when uh, you made one of the most the base of the most basic mistakes you could possibly make in you know one of the biggest matches of the season thus far for Arsenal. And I, I agree with you also, Seth, that I think that had Arsenal been able to to nick a goal in that early period of the match and take the lead, then th- this is a City side that, given their quality and how well they've played overall, they're probably as low on confidence as they've been in a while, which is not to say exactly low on confidence, right? But, you know, they're... Their recent results haven't been as completely unimpeachable as they were in the fall. No, it so, hasn't. It hasn't been the f- you know three straight games of five nothing wins. Yeah, which is again that's setting the bar pretty high for yourself. Yes. But. No, that's true. Yeah. We should say that Vincent Company and David Silva also got on the score sheet alongside Aguero, who is in fine scoring form. So. Yeah, City, first title of the season here. They still have the chance of two more with the league and the yeah. Champions League. So we'll we'll see how things shake out. But yeah, Well, I mean, I think that a nut from yeah, – you're talking about Sergio Aguero, and that you know, makes me think of uh, Gabriel Jesus, who came off the bench in this game. His first game back since, what, the end of December, I believe? Yeah, it's been uh, a while. He's been out injured. Yeah, yeah six, seven weeks. And and it's just it's so frustrating to see from an Arsenal point of view because it's certainly just like well City dismantled you for eighty mm, percent of this match and they're also clearly not at full strength because he's just now getting back into the fold um, and all, from an Arsenal point of view again speaking of injuries it was really frustrating to see Nacho Monreal go off in the first half um, I mean he. <laughs> He he was he probably should have been booked already by the time he went off injured because he definitely he definitely dove and he should have been booked for simulation. But he's been honestly he's been one of the most lethal goal scorers for Arsenal during the last few weeks, and I think that that also speaks to how bad they've been overall over the course of the last few weeks. So it's it's certainly a day which obviously City fans will and should relish, but. You know, even moving not beyond just these ninety minutes at Wembley themselves. Moving forward from this match, things look increasingly bright for City, and unfortunately, increasingly dismal for Arsenal. Yes, yeah, they're still a bit behind in the league as far as the top four positions, so it's going to be tough for for Arsenal. Uh, you got to put all those eggs in the Europa League basket here now. Yeah, and with AC Milan as the draw for the round of 16, that is certainly not a, a game that you can expect to win easily or even at all, especially when you expect to beat 
Ulster students who were founded in the mid nineties and are still in preseason. And then they come into the Emirates and hit you for two goals rapidly and you end up losing there. So if they play anything like that against AC Milan, they will get torn to shreds, perhaps not as badly as they did today, but resoundingly and enough to crash out of the cup. Yeah. Milan should be a tougher opponent than Ustersund. That's for sure. Although Ustersund, I mean, that's a fairy tale within itself. It's almost like the FA cup segue. (laughs) <laughs> where we do see some miracles happen. And we got a couple yeah. of couple of replays here coming up midweek. One which really does have the potential to be truly miraculous. Yes. So Rochdale forced a replay against Spurs. That's on Wednesday. And then Tuesday before then we got Swansea against Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> which, I mean, that would also be seen as an upset if Sheffield Wednesday goes through on that one. Oh, for sure. But for sure. nowhere and, and, near the same as if Rochdale yeah. would beat Tottenham. But, I mean, I think that, I don't know. I'll, I will be, I'll be cheering for upsets in both matches. For one, obvious, for my you know partisan North London allegiances, and the other just for the sake of seeing an upset. But I think that you know, not only with the obvious quality that Tottenham have, but also with, despite their not so great league position swans have been pretty good at home and i i imagine that both home sides both favorites will go on through to the next round yeah and we already saw a pretty big upset with wigan knocking out man city so mm-hmm. although I mean, yeah we want to see more we want to see more yeah, of course of course yeah it'll be interesting to see i mean looking at Sheffield wednesday real quick um they only have, let's see, their last two games are losses. They lost against Aston Villa at home 4-2 yesterday. So we'll see, but maybe they were focusing more on this upcoming game. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's... Okay, this is where the the wound of <laughs> having just lost the FL Cup final seems a little fresher in terms of talking about the uh, the cup competitions moving forward because those have been Arsenal's bread and butter in the last few years, and they obviously are. Their only hope left is the Europa League. Um, I mean, I I think that it's not quite to the level of last year what we saw with United in terms of focusing on the Europa League, not only from an Arsenal perspective, but also for the FA Cup, right? You know, uh, even though the league, even though the league is essentially done and dusted, right? Like City City have it. So if you're a United or a Chelsea, then you're going to be tempted to focus maybe a little more on the FA Cup. But I, I don't know. It's just, it's, such as it is these days, the Premier League and the Champions League seem to be all that a lot of fans even care about. And the Carabao and the FA Cups, by contrast, seem to be kind of cast off in a lot of people's minds, which I think is a shame. But. Yeah, I mean, there's still some... I would say the FA Cup still holds on to some of its glory. I mean, looking around Europe, yeah. I don't really see another... Like, of the big leagues, the FA Cup still reigns supreme yeah. over domestic well, cups. To be sure, but, like, it's... It, it, I, I I concede that point and absolutely agree with you. The FA Cup is the most illustrious league cup in the world, but it still trails so far behind both the Premier League in terms of the domestic English league in prestige and also the Champions League, right? You know, 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> even I mean, though it's even though it's an internationally famous competition, you don't see people in Central and South America walking around with T-shirts with the FA Cup on them. But you do see Champions League T-shirts yes. all over, regard some even without a club affiliation appended to them. Yeah, that, that's just weird. Uh, <laughs> it was a little weird, but I did. I saw it here last week. So. That is that is really strange, actually. No, I mean one thing you could do, which I don't think that a lot of teams would want, but you could, you know, say that. Well, you know what? The winner of the FA Cup, they get a Champions League spot. Yeah, that's how you. That's how you make it into something that everybody will take seriously. Well, but the, I mean, where does that spot come from, though, Sad? I mean, then is it just the top three that yes. qualify for the Champions League? Yep. I mean, that's that's not. I, I don't know. I'm torn. And I'm not just torn as an Arsenal fan who comes in fourth perennially, if we're lucky. We probably won't this year. Um, but also because I, I agree and disagree because I think that it is it, – it, it's a trophy in and of itself, right? And so incentivizing, like really pushing on in the league if you're in fifth or sixth place come April versus – incentivizing caring about a historic football trophy that you and your supporters should give a damn about anyways. I, I'm not sure. And it's, it's a little strange for me to be saying this because at the same time, I think the way that the Europa League has been incentivized with Champions League qualification over the last couple of years is a, is a great thing. Oh, super but, smart. But the Europa League also doesn't have the history and the prestige of the FA Cup, right? Like it's a – a strange stepchild of a tournament that was awkwardly invented in the recent past. And like, yeah, you could maybe trace it's, you know, you can trace these lineages to previous European competitions if you want to. But the fact of the matter is everyone knows that the champions league is where it's at and where the world's best clubs meet on arguably the world's biggest stage for club football. And the Europa league is just kind of an afterthought for a lot of people. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think that the way in which, I just would say you don't have to change anything about the FA Cup to make it not be an afterthought. People just need to move it from their afterthoughts to the forefront of their thinking because mm. it is a major trophy. Yes. Yeah, sure. And I mean, like we said many, many times before, silverware is silverware. There's something you yeah. can point at and say, hey, we won this. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing is that we keep talking about how City are done and dusted as the you know, the champions elect this season for the Premier League, but it still means something that Pep Guardiola won his first trophy in England today, right? Like I'm, and I think that he's, he's a smart enough manager to keep his players focused on at the, you know, at the same time, look, this is a great achievement. We've done it. That's great. We haven't won anything else, you know, even to the point of, we're not through to the next round of the Champions League, even though realistically they're through to the next round of the Champions League. We, have, we haven't won the Premier League, even though realistically they've pretty much won the Premier League. But, you know, I mean, you need that kind of mental discipline in order to try to win a triple and have a realistic shot at it. And, you know, mental discipline is the name of the game for why they are lifting that trophy tonight and Arsenal Football Club are abject. That's true. Yep, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk about what happened in the Premier League over the weekend, and then we'll get Paulie's mobile take. So stick around. Okay, we're back, switching gears, focusing on the Premier League. Like we said, Man City, yeah, they're going to win it. But there's other games to be played. 
There's other yeah. positions in the league to fight for and the top four race, you know, spots two to five right now. Uh, we got ourselves a good good race there. Spurs took a narrow one nothing win over Crystal Palace in a little London derby on Sunday morning. Harry Kane with the late winner in that one. Palace putting up much more of a fight than I thought they would. Mm-hmm. But uh, in yeah. the end, in the end, they have Harry Kane. Yeah, yeah, and how how long they will have him that. That really remains to be seen. You know, I, I don't. I think. Know. I think he's really. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I well, that's the thing is that I think. I mean, I think it's worth bringing up, right? Is that almost any other player with a similar goal scoring record to his, you would expect to be snapped up by Real Madrid or Barcelona in the not too distant future. But I kind of, I don't, <laughs> I'm inferring from your inflection. Like I, I tend to agree with you that. I've just got a hunch that he just wants to stay in London. And, you know, it's not just the chip on his shoulder against Arsenal, though it's probably partially that. Uh, And it pains me to say this, given my own club allegiances, but regardless, like, that would be a beautiful thing, right? That happens far too infrequently in this day and age. And that, and I get it from a professional standpoint, you know, maybe you want a new challenge from a personal standpoint. (laughs) It'd be really cool to live in Madrid for three or four years, right? But... Nonetheless, that kind of one club player, not just in you know the Premier League, but in contemporary sports more broadly, becomes more and more rare these days. But you know, if you're you're an Englishman playing for a club that is having one of the best periods in their history, playing in what I would say is the best league in the world, maybe it does make sense to just decide. Right, my career is not going to be about doing this Latan thing and moving to a ton of different clubs and trying to win a bunch of different trophies in different countries, but rather my career is going to be focused on club legacy. And, you know, we'll see if he does that. Lots of, lots of boys and girls and men and women wearing red will weep. And also if he does that, I'd still have to don my cap to him. Yeah. I mean, I see him more like a modern era, Alan cheer almost. Uh, Yeah. I think he's going to spend his whole career in the Premier League or in the English system. Maybe he'll drop down once he gets old. But mm-hmm. I just don't see him leaving, even though, yeah, Real Madrid, they can throw a bunch of money at him. I mean, Spurs, they have they have the cash too. And I don't yeah. think that they're going to be stupid cheap to direct translate a Swedish saying. You're, they're not going to be <laughs> stupid cheap with Kane. They're not going to be like, oh, no, we're not going to pay him this much. Then we're gonna sell him. That's not gonna happen. I just... Well, I I would hope not. But I mean, I think that it's it's even though okay, let's compare it to the Gareth Barrel situation from several years ago. Even though they're both world class players, and I think that because because Kane is just a pure out and out striker, whereas Gareth Bale is a forward who can play as a striker, but is a little bit more adept at you know wide play. Yeah, it used to be a left attacker. Back. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, he's, but he's... That's crazy. He used to be a left back. I know. Yeah, I know. It, it is crazy. And it's funny that I mentioned that uh, a couple episodes ago with Nacho Monreal scoring forms. Like, right, if you were if you were in your teens and you were scoring like this, they would do exactly what they did with Gareth Bale and say, right, you're not a left back. You're playing along the front line yep. if you're going to score goals like this. Uh, but I, it's it's different, you know, and it's not just... I mean, I think nationality does play a role, right? Like, 
which is not to, to suggest for a moment that Bale is more or less committed to his national team than Harry Kane is to his, but you're, you're a Welshman playing in the English league, despite the fact that there are some Welsh teams. It's, yeah. it's considered the English league. And so, I mean, maybe that will play a factor as well in terms of Bale's desire to go to a mega club abroad and Kane's potential choice to stay at a immediately successful but certainly not established mega club in England. No, I mean, there's a lot of factors that comes into play, but he's not going to be short on cash in, you know, playing for Spurs. No. And like no, you said, they're in a they're in a very good period right now. So I definitely don't see him leaving anytime soon. Yeah, maybe but. if they maybe if they started selling off all the players around him, then he could be like, okay, well, this isn't going to lead anywhere. Maybe it's time for me to leave. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is that he's so young still. Like he he'll turn twenty five later this summer, right? You know, in he he's got half a decade ahead of him you know he could he could stay at spurs for 3 years and then and like cement his legacy as one of the greatest tottenham players of all time and then still have a solid 2 to 3 years as one of the best players in the world even if he drops off sharply at 31 but as we've seen with other players to draw the same comparison again for example Zlatan that doesn't always happen you know the conditioning's a lot better than it was many years ago like the the knowledge of the medical aspect of the sport even just the nutrition aspect it's it's a different ball game than it was 15 20 years ago in terms of yeah you can play into your 30s at the very highest level oh yeah yeah it's not like you're gonna go and have three or four beers after every game nowadays i mean i i do but i'm also total shit and i play amateur ball there you go yep well it's called beer league for a reason right exactly yeah i think that the beer is always better than the football yeah Okay, if we move over to the other game on Sunday, Manchester United defeated Chelsea 2-1 to at Old Trafford. Romelu Lukaku with a very good performance against his former side. He scored one, set up the other one. Uh, Jesse Lingard scored the winner. And a much, much needed win for United, who stay in second place. They sit at 59 points. Then you got Liverpool in third with 57. Spurs in fourth with 55. And then Chelsea dropping down to fifth with 53. So we got a race there. We definitely got a race. And it was nice to see United, you know, come back after going down one nothing. I was I was a little bit afraid when Chelsea opened up the scoring there. Nice goal by Willian. Um, well, and I, I expected them to, you know, I said, I said this when we spoke last time that I expected them to really, you know, to take some confidence away from that hard fought draw against Barcelona and really kick on and, you know, and score a boatload of goals or, you know, maybe not a boatload, but at least two or three times as many as they actually managed to. Uh, but yeah, no, it's all credit to United and we're going to hear some of Pauly's thoughts on this match a little later. Um. But I think that one of, from a United perspective, right, I imagine that you'll agree with this, Seb, that one of the most, well, one of the brightest spots of this season, even though it will sting to lose the title to City, I'm sure, mm-hmm. is the performance of Jesse Lingard, who is not the, we were just speaking about Harry Kane, he's not going to be the first name uh, on the team sheet 
come this summer, but you know, the there's no chance that he's not going to be playing pretty much every game for England at this point, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, he should. He's the English Jason Park, as we've dubbed him here now. Yeah. Very, very useful player. He shouldn't be starting every game, but comes in, does a lot of good work, and sometimes he get into these scoring, you know, little scoring flurries, really. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, you know, player. it's funny to me. I've been, you know, I've, while well, I've been traveling in Mexico, I've been meeting and socializing with a lot of uh, Brits down here, and it it's perhaps perhaps it's partially just national mentality <laughs> perhaps it's being a you know a true student of history but everybody i talk to is totally pessimistic about england's chances in the world cup but they're you know they could they could sneak in and surprise people with players like harry kane and jesse lingard right like i don't think they're as stacked as say uh france or a belgian side of course but they're sneaky good. Well, that's the that's been the problem though. England has seen themselves for decades. <laughs> for decades. Yes, it's been the problem of they're just thinking, "Oh, we're going to win this. Oh, we're 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 the best in the world. We're going to win this. No no problem." They need to have more realistic, you know, expectations going into a tournament, then they can build something positive. So, well, yeah, well, I'm yeah, not yeah, I'm not going to say they're dead at arrival. Absolutely yeah. not. They got some good players, but they everything needs to click. You need a bit of luck. I mean, the World Cup is, you know, a rather short tournament. Everything needs to fall into place. But, of course, they have a shot. Of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll talk much more about the World Cup. Well, in I mean, the league is over, so why not? Why not? Yeah. You know? No. Uh, we got a good, good race going towards the bottom of the table as well. West Brom, they're in rough shape right now. Dead last 20 points, 6 points up to... Second from the bottom, Stoke City, and seven points behind the trio of Swansea, Crystal Palace, and Southampton. Four straight defeats in the league. Suffered a hard, hard loss at home against Huddersfield on Saturday. And well, I mean, yeah, ugh. but but all three, all three of the teams, um, right with the like. The all, all three of the teams in the relegation zone dropped points. Stoke was the only one to pick up a single point against Leicester at the King Power Stadium, which I'm sure they will be very happy with, given other results. Yeah, that was a uh, that was actually a very good game. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised by Stoke and how they played for being second from the bottom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they. Another thing that, but by the time we roll around to late February on this show, we end up having a handful of tropes from each season that we just keep coming back to and yet another one is this team looks good on paper it's they look strangely good on paper and yet stoke still manages to play poorly a lot of the time but you know one of the best players on paper they have is jared shakiri and he was the goal scorer for them i mean yeah he had a he had a good showing absolutely good goal for him too we should say that southampton with their draw against Burnley, late draw against Burnley. Gabbiadini scored in the 90th minute, screwing up my pick for that game. Um, <laughs> took them all the way up to 17th place, so they're out of the relegation zone for now. 17th, 16th. 16th, sorry, 16th, yeah. yep. Uh, and then, like we said, Huddersfield, you know, they got two wins in a row here, so that's really yeah. good for them. So they're up to 14th yeah. place now. Uh, with that, we're going to leave you guys with Paulie's mobile take. 
And then we'll talk again later in the week. As always, follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Norin. Elliot is Keatsos Better. Polly is Pete Questel. And give Fanwick Sports a follow as well. So here's Polly, everybody. Hey, guys. Polly here. Coming off United 2, Chelsea 1. Great win. Romo Lukaku finally showing up against um, a big team. Then again, you could say, I guess he's motivated because he's showing up against the team that quit on him. However, having said that, of course, he's not showing up against the team that quit on him because the manager that quit on him happens to be the manager that he's currently playing for. So let's throw that narrative out the window right away, right from the get-go. But this isn't, we're not here to talk about how Jose Mourinho is a bad manager. We're not here to talk about United 2 and Chelsea 1. Today we're flipping the script. And I'm going to call, I'm going to pull a Jose Mourinho here and I'm going to call out the United fans because... At this point, you deserve to be called out on. And at this point, it's starting to become BS. You look at when United post their lineup, if you click on that tweet and look at all the responses, people hate Chris Smalling. And people go nuts at him. And I stand at the bar every week with the same people. And when Chris Smalling makes a great play, no one will recognize it. And when Chris Smalling screws up, everybody, oh my God, I can't believe Smalling does that. And it just doesn't even go to Smalling. Victor Lindelof, oh my god, how can we play Victor Lindelof? He's terrible. No, he's adapting to the Premier League and he hasn't been given chances by his piece of shit manager. It's taking him time. Oh my god, we don't have any fullbacks. No, we spent a lot of money on Luke Shaw. But Jose Mourinho, who people hate, these fans want to run him out the door. They don't buy into a word he says until he sits there and says, oh, well, Luke Shaw's terrible. And for some reason, they harp on all those words. Oh my God, Luke Shaw, he screwed up on that four-yard pass. Okay, yeah, so does everybody else. But you know what? Luke Shaw's been totally fine this year. And Chris Smalling, yeah, he's made mistakes. But when, oh, Smalling jumped for that ball and it went over his head. How does he miss that? I don't know. Nemanja Vidic and Rio Ferdinand balls used to go over their head too. Obviously, they are better players than he is, but... We've spoken about this on the show before. There's a dearth of good center backs throughout the world. So again, nobody, nobody really like compares to Smalling, uh, to uh, Vidic and Ferdinand anymore. Toby Alderweireld, very good. Jan Vertonghen, very good. The rest of the good ones play, seem to play in Spain or Italy. You know, Germany doesn't have any good center backs. Uh, Matt Hummels is good, but he has his flaws. You could pick out, you could pick him out for pace the same way you could pick out Rio Ferdinand for pace. Look, Chris Smalling's not perfect. He's not amazing. He's solid. Phil Jones is solid. They both make mistakes. Eric Bailly's very good. He makes mistakes too, and he's always injured just like Phil Jones. Marcos Rojo, he's pretty terrible. Victor Lindelof, he makes mistakes. Newsflash, United fans, our defense kind of sucks, which is why Mourinho playing the hey, let's let everybody attack us style is questionable at best. And then you look at the fullbacks. Our top two fullbacks are converted wingers who are both over 30 years old. They get picked out on just normal things like, hey, that guy ran by him because he's old. Your second, cho- your second choice right back happens to be your first choice left back. You won't play Luke Shaw because you think he stinks. I mean, at a certain point, you, just, you have to accept the fact that no matter who we throw on the field, there are flaws in the defense. Today, after that first goal, you know, fans are yelling at Lindelof. They're yelling at Chris Smalling. No, the answer is Scott McTominay stopped running. Scott McTominay, the pawn in Jose Mourinho's game against Paul Pogba. 
He stopped running and he failed to pick up William. And then David De Gea is standing there. David De Gea has all of his weight on his left foot because he's ready for William to kick that ball across, across the goal to the far post. And he's ready to dive across like any goalkeeper should be ready for because that's how you're trained to play. And kudos to William who launched a missile to the near post. And David De Gea, because that ball came in so quickly, he just didn't have time to react. That's not David De Gea's fault. That's not Chris Smalling's fault. Scott McTominay failed to pick that guy up. Let's start giving our players credit. Yeah, they're not perfect. The defenders aren't perfect, but they're what we have. And Chris Smalling has been solid. Give him credit when he makes great plays because he had a very good game. He's not going to be perfect and he's never going to have a perfect game. But neither is Phil Jones and neither is Marcos Rojo and neither is Eric Bailly and neither is Victor Windelhoff. But right now that's who we have and support them. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.